0: Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present.
1: Hello, Erin. Hi, Sarah. What's going on? Uh, Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, Just getting over a cold. What
0: are we doing today? Our podcast is an oral history interview that I unearthed from the shelves or drawers or <laughs> wherever we unearth things from.
1: Not the earth. It doesn't is- tend to be where we find stuff.
0: Well, archaeology is a whole thing. Here. Yeah, I-,
1: I haven't found much uh, archaeological artifacts in the collection yet, though. That's a four-month thing. <laughs>
0: The oral history that I unearthed is a woman named Anna Gorham. Ooh. She started teaching at Franklin Elementary School, which is like less than a mile from the history center where we're sitting right now. Really? That's cool. And she worked there from 1946 to 1972. Wow. Dang. So she was telling a little bits about what it was like in 1946. If you, yeah. If you ever had a parent teacher conference at that school, apparently she was to blame. <laughs> she started those.
1: <laughs> oh I I guess it never occurred to me that someone would have had to have like begun parent teacher conferences. I kind of was under the impression they sprang from the ether the same time schools did. <laughs> well, she wasn't the one
0: that invented the concept as yeah. a whole, but just, you know, add Franklin.
1: Yeah. Let's get into it. Sounds good. I'm excited.
2: Gorham, retired school teacher of the Anoka-Hennepin School District Number 11 at Anoka, Minnesota. Ms. Gorham is an active, productive resident of Anoka and is involved in many community organizations. My name is Pat Schwapik. I am of the Anoka County Historical Society. Today's date is Tuesday, April 14th. Good morning, Anna. Where were you born, Anna? I was born off in Burns. was our home. Can you describe the, the farm? I assume it was a farm that you lived on in Burns. Yes. Sir. My father uh, bought 40 acres from my grandpa, who homesteaded up here St. Francis. And because it was sandy and because it was too far away, uh, he bought 120 acres. And that was all wooded. And the farm, when Grandpa moved out on it, he worked for the railroad company, and he uh, moved out uh, And uh, there was five acres that was cleared, and a little house was on the land. Who who was Grandpa? What was Grandpa's Grandpa, name? Thomas Form. When did he arrive in Anoka County? Do you ever remember hearing? Yes, he uh, when he came. He was born in in uh, Pennsylvania. And they, uh, he worked in the coal mines there, and and he heard about the uh, uh, west, and so he came to the west. And he came to Stillwater. They came by steamboat to Stillwater, and then he worked on a raft, a river raft, of floating logs downstream, and then he heard about the railroad coming through. So he went to St. Paul and he got a job there. And then he was transferred to Dayton. And in Dayton uh, and then he was there for a short while and he was transferred to uh, Anoka in uh, 1865 my mother lived here up by the people that's where my father was born mm-hmm. and when he was uh, uh, about a month old when they moved out to the home and a a wagon was drawn by oxen mm-hmm. and there was only a uh, a trail out as far as uh Brook and from there there was just a pathway, like, just meandering. What was the first school that you attended? A District Thirty Six, the only country school that I went to. Yeah, that was a little over a mile and a half from our place. And we walked in the winter time it when it was one of real thick bad my dad would pick us up and take us and have all the neighbors with the sled and fur robes we'd cover up and and the, the teacher uh, we always called when it was bad. she'd always called to see if my dad if was going to take us to school because he' could pick her up he took the mm-hmm. most but then mm-hmm. at that point you see the, the cars weren't ready, and they didn't have no snow And you said call, so they evidently had phones. Oh yes, we had our own phone. Uh, we built our ours they built it and and, uh, and kept that up and uh, and paid connection fees. What was the in- the interior of your school? Can you describe it a little bit? Oh, I certainly can. It had cross lights and it was a lot, and we had a, a furnace with a jacket on that sat in the middle of the stove. And of course, uh, lots of times we'd sit with our overshoes on because the floor was cold, there was no basement. And uh, we didn't have shades. When I first started school, we had no shades on the windows. And then finally, we had a teacher, and we had a, because we had so many, it was such a, a large enrollment. The teacher when your had us facing the east, sitting sideways, and we faced the east. And you can imagine sitting facing the sun. And we had a bell that we would pull, a cord that came down, a rope that came down that we could pull to call us the school. When you completed your schooling in the one-room school, what did you do after that? I didn't pass the... Grammar. And so when I went to high school, I went to King Anoka. And my my dad said that, uh, and my mother said that, that I would have to take grammar. So I went over, so I, I couldn't take a full course my freshman year. So I went through over to the Franklin School. And I missed three classes, so that's why I could, oh, and I had to miss Gal, and I really learned my grammar. And then what did Anna do? And I had been offered a job—my aunt taught up in the Country School of North Dakota, and she uh, was offered the principalship in, in their town. And so the school board wanted me to take her place because they liked her so well. And my aunt wrote to me and asked me, and I didn't answer the letter. I just wasn't interested. I still wanted to be a nurse. And so one day I got a call—long-distance call—from all three directors. Of the school board insisting that I come out. So I thought, oh, this would be pretty nice. I could go out and I would teach for a year and then I'd have some money. So I went to summer school. I took a, a teaching of math and teaching of reading. And I uh, taught a, a little country school similar to the one that I had gone to, it wasn't as large. And uh, I lived with a Sunday Advent family that was uh, just a lovely family. How long were you there? I Just one year. One year. Because like next year they were going to live in town with the youngsters uh, to go to high school and do a i coming up. But I had really no place to stay except with a family that had two little children. And I had to share the bedroom with two little preschool children. And I thought to myself, and they had a small home, how in the world can I do my work? So I decided not to. So then I got a job working for the telephone company in the information department. But, you know, that, that was divided hours. I always worked the morning shift, and I always worked the late shift, you know, at night. And we worked always weekends. So where did you stay when you were doing that? I stayed, uh, I, had, I lived with a couple of other girls in the apartment. When did you decide um, that perhaps teaching was for you well, uh, in February, the superintendent uh, from Peasanton uh, from, uh, had written to me and wanted me to come out and take a school that uh, the teacher uh, uh, wasn't certified. And so I went out. I got out there, I found out that there had been two teachers one that had been dismissed at Christmas time because he couldn't handle the answers. And then the lady that had taught there previously but uh, was up there visiting and had a boyfriend, and so she wanted the job, and she wasn't even certified, but she was teaching, so. When was it that you came back to Anoka? I said I'd never teach in at one so I had a choice of teaching either in Ramsey County or Hennepin County, in both both superintendents jazz, and so which did you choose? I took the one in Ramsey in mm-hmm. and Spring so Lake Park, Spring Lake Park, and go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so I I there until Mr. Adams. He was always after me to teach in the even when I was teaching in North Dakota. He called, called me at the Christmas time and asked me, and I said, well, I live in the country, so he uh, got me into the system. And which schools, Franklin School. Franklin School. So you came to Franklin School in what year? Forty six in nineteen forty six, and you stayed there till till nineteen seventy two. What was Franklin School like in nineteen forty six? Well, we had uh, the only kindergarten that they had was in the Franklin School. And, and the only had. kindergarten that they had in the school district? The whole, whole district. district. Ah, okay. was in the Franklin School. And that's where I was really started. And uh, we had uh, five grades. Miss Squires was the principal and the uh, fifth grade teacher. And there was just one at each grade. Um, what was the class size, do you recall? Oh, yes. I can remember. Uh, uh, one year I had forty-seven children, and I had—the uh, seats were all screwed to the floor, and hard, nice hybrid floors, but the seats were all screwed to the floor, and pushing all the sand over there and all the thing that we had, and I can remember, uh, uh, one time the uh, radiator was—and I had children so close to it, and here the radiator was shooting out, and I uh, couldn't have that, and I had them back in the library corner. <laughs> It was hard for him to sweep through and he said that if he, if he could have the seats uh um uh, and I, I had always said that they should be on two by fours because that's a require that I knew was a requirement. So I'd done a lot of standardizing schools and ringing them up. And uh, so I talked to Ms. Squares about it and uh she said, Oh, says, that would be cool some of But anyway, she said something to Mr. By, and Mr. Bai came over and he said, Squares, in your feet, healthy. I just wanted to have a chair, a seat? And so I you here the janitor, whenever there was a, a broken seat, he'd go down and bring up any. And so sometimes you couldn't even slide in between. Sometimes there was a high, a high seat and a low desk, and you couldn't get in. I said, well, maybe this is working. You're like, you couldn't get into that. And something was really. The
3: different. point
2: was proven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the hot lunch program like? Uh, when I came, we had no hot lunch program. We did have a PTA, and we had an oil uh, an oil stove. And uh, and then uh, when they would do anything uh, with the uh, oil stove, they just had a, a sink down there. Or in, in the, when they flushed the toilets, then we didn't have any water up on the, I was on the second floor, and we didn't, the fountains, we, we couldn't drink. And uh, and then there was, uh, talked about putting in hot lunch, in of course then I, me and nutrition and, and, and health. I raised the problem. I said, "Well, I said uh, we can't have hot lunch program." I said, "Unless the children can wash, because I said that's best, uh, one of the requirements. I would uh, insist on having, and I said they can't do that because I said the pressure isn't enough pressure." And so uh, I was uh, I was on the PTA board at that time, and uh, we. I talked to Dr. Bunker, and the course, Dr. Uh, Spurson. And finally, uh, they checked into it, and the thing was that we, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, pipes that came in, the water pipes weren't large enough to come so we had a problem, they started hot lunch. Before that, we took our turns of staying with the agents that the brought their lunch mm-hmm. to school and then supervising the playground. Approximately how many hours a week do you feel as though you worked, you know, at the school? Uh, how what time did you have to be there in the morning? What time did oh, school start? I of the school it started at nine o'clock. I guess we were supposed to be there at eight thirty. But I always came you know, at seven o'clock because I had the school buses and everything. So there were many of them all our way, so I always seven o'clock was right after I had breakfast at seven o'clock. So night and then I, uh, because I belong to a number of things, I belong to the education, Association, the PPA and PTA Council, so then I usually uh, uh, stayed after, and of course I've always went to the footballs and basketball games and so on, so uh, my dad was feeling better at that time, so then I would stay, and so I would work at school, and we'd go out for dinner and go to the games or whatever it was. And you put in one, oh, I always did. Do you recall what the pain was at that time? Yes, it was... Uh, Hundred dollars. Uh, I took a cup, I, I was getting more in spring I see. And I took a cup but I didn't have all that traffic because I, I left at six o'clock in the morning and I booked all, all that traffic down with the arms. plant. what kind of benefits did teachers get? When I came to New we didn't have any at all. Well, we didn't even have a teachers' organization. The first year I came here, they were battling the, the uh, AFT wanted. To get in. So we were battling, and of course, I wouldn't belong to the AFP so for some reason that I felt that we were smart enough to set up our own rules and regulations, and so finally we did get organized here, the second year that I was here, and I was the, the uh, treasurer, secretary of treasurer. We had all the, the job of getting all the correspondence and communications and so on getting organized. What, what do the initials AFT represent? Uh, Federation, of Te- uh, Federation of Teachers. Mm-hmm. American Federation of Teachers. Okay, and so it was about in 1948 that the Anoka teachers, the, the district organized, or was it just Franklin School that organized? Oh, no, no, because the whole the, 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 whole, the, the, the district, the whole school. Uh-huh. But that, that, was, that was just, that was just the Anoka district. We didn't, we weren't organized. We didn't become Anoka Hennepin until 54. I think it was 54. Really when you retired in 1972, was that when your class size was at its peak, is that when it was the largest? Oh, no, or was that, was a, that was the smallest. That was the yeah. smallest. Oh, okay. yes. Okay. I had, uh, I suppose I had about 32 again. We always had uh, a more than, than what was required, but that was because they sent them wrong mistakes. They, they called uh, the— uh, The music teacher and the art supervisor and the librarian and the Phi Ed were classified as regular teachers. Mm -hmm. And so they added those in with the entire enrollment, and so that wasn't true at all. If you were to step back in time, would you choose the same path, education? Well, I'm uh, I, I'm glad that I did teach. I, uh, of course, you know I wasn't a popular teacher because I had a working night. That's what I was being paid for. And I I I came from a family that education meant a lot, lot. And my folks always said that they wanted us to have more than they did, and they worked with us. And our education came before fun. really every night ours we had schoolwork to do, and that Another thing, too, our teachers were always invited into our homes. We were never allowed to come home and tell and tell what was going on. But folks always invited the teachers and thought of what was going on and what we were doing. Do you feel that in some respects, the school today and the teachers today are not fulfilling what they might, but just from your own viewpoint, and your own heart, how do you feel about, because education has certainly changed, certainly changed today from, I know when I was in school and even when my children were in school. And I I show a real concern for my grandchildren who will soon be into school. Well, the first problem that I had tonight, that I noticed here was when the parents wanted to come in and dictate to us what they wanted us to be teaching. And I, and the thing was that I, I really feel that so have many have the basics, and I, I really feel, and of course I was the one that started the parent teacher conferences here because I always had those before, and uh, and I always uh, I I always look forward to that, and that's just been a lot to me. And I didn't wait until we had the parent teacher conference if I had any problems I went right to the to the uh, family to find out because I wanted to know whether it was me, and of course the fact that. Finally, we had here where we could get the records, so that those records were passed on. To, so you knew what the child were, was doing uh, before you got here. Well, Anna, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? I've enjoyed this very much. I think I've talked too much. No, you haven't talked too much. It's been wonderful. I hope nobody else you hear this or read it. Uh, no, I—it's I, very beneficial, and I think that— uh, Researchers, uh, you know, youngsters today and their schools, particularly, have changed a great deal. Scholars, for the same reason, will be interested in this. Thank you very much. I appreciated this.
3: Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Welcome back to the Library Minute. I'm Haley, a librarian at the Northtown branch of Anoka County Library, here with a handful of books for further reading on teaching and education. In a general sense, we have Becoming a Teacher by Melinda D. Anderson. Acclaimed journalist Melinda D. Anderson writes about the classroom of master teacher Lakeisha Hall, a Baltimore based teacher whose achievements have earned her Teacher of the Year awards and who helps her students succeed. If you want to know how to not only become a teacher, but a wonderful one that inspires, this is the book for you. Along in our collection, we have uh, many, many, many memoirs. Uh, Most of them are about K through 12 teachers. But one of them that I wanted to highlight that is not is called Beginners, The Joy and Transformative Power of Lifelong Learning by Tom Vanderbilt. Tom Vanderbilt's book Beginners moves us out of school and into the realm of lifelong learning. Many of us stop actively learning when we're out of school and Vanderbilt was no exception until he found himself with a young daughter who felt she needed to know absolutely everything. Inspired by her, he spent a year learning for learning's sake and this book records his experiences. In addition to memoirs, we've got many books about programming Um, Some for guiding you through programming if there is a program that you want to teach, and some about programs in the Minnesota area. One of these is The World in Our Palms 2018 to 2019 selected works from the Compass Creative Classroom Program by Desdemona. Compass is a Minnesota-based nonprofit focused on the arts and education and sends out Compass teaching artists to help teens, students, and teachers and others learn through creative works. This ebook comprises the collaborations between 17 compass teaching writers and their community in an anthology edition and was a finalist in the 2020 Minnesota author project Communities Create Contest. Find it in our Indie Minnesota eBooks database. Last but not least, I wanted to point out that we have a lot of fiction about education, about teachers, about students. One of the books that I wanted to point out is called Loudermilk or The Real Poet or The Origin of the World by Lucy Ives. So Lucy Ives's book traces the experiences of Troy Augustus Loudermilk and his friend Harry Rigo, who lacks Loudermilk's charm and classic good looks. They are both attending the seminars, the nation's renowned creative writing program, to which Loudermilk has just been accepted Only Troy Augustus Loudermilk has never written a poem. Satirical and cerebral Loudermilk pokes fun at higher education, at creative writing programs, and at our ascription of value to people who look like they deserve it. Of course, as always, you can find more books within the call numbers listed. Likewise, our librarians are always happy to help you find fiction to read about teachers or otherwise. Feel free to use our The librarian Recommends form on our website and in the catalog to get personal recommendations sent straight to your email. See you next time. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today.
0: One of the fun things when I was looking for pictures to go with Anna's interview was I found her 1922 high school yearbook photo.
1: Oh, cool.
0: And her high school yearbook quote in there was, She'll never trouble trouble till trouble troubles her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she definitely gave me lots of trouble just from the fact that her oral history was recorded on a cassette tape.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Ha! Huh. That... <sighs> so... Archiving and preserving, like, um, both film and, uh, like, old formats of, of audio recording presents so many difficulties. I mean, uh, the oldest forms of audio recording have been around for, um, I think at this point over a hundred years. This, this isn't, like, my area of specialty, so I, I don't know entirely, but the fact is that we, we have, we as a, as a, people and as a profession have been preserving like written materials for thousands of years starting with clay tablets but had to catch up very very rapidly to preserve formats of audio and video and now digital formats so there are all kinds of gaps in, like, what do we know about how to take care of these, and how long will they actually, uh, hold up, and, uh, what kinds of, um, uh, outside stimulus will harm them, like, uh, I'm sure it's a huge shock to anyone who's accidentally had, like, a, like, a magnet too near, uh, a cassette tape, the whole thing wiped out. Oh, no. Yeah, great. Not to
0: name any names, but somebody here at the History Center once told me a story about how they took a magnet to put their big three-inch floppy to store it on the side of their filing cabinet. Oh, my gosh. And they couldn't understand why their work kept (laughs) on disappearing.
1: Yep, it's very similar with, um, especially early computers and and, uh, early... Um, discs and the like, they're all magnetized. With Anna's interview, it was on a cassette
0: tape, Yep. and we have a device here that will read the cassette and send it to the computer. So I was the one that digitized it and then fussed with all of the different audio things the best that I could to create the audio that you heard today.
1: It's awesome that we have digital resources to make... Old audio formats more understandable and more listenable, I know it's your goal to have all of our our different medias digitized at some point like oh that. yeah that that would be immensely useful for both preservation and access because some things can't be accessed and kept safe at the same time if they're not digitized they'll they'll fall apart right in your hands, oh, yeah no heartbreak it's 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 uh it's pretty wild well anna's interview
0: this was the edited down version if you want to listen <laughs> to the full version or read the full transcript we will have it available on history 21 the vault on our website for vault members and we'll get you back Aaron, to <laughs> talk or be on another podcast yeah randomly See you guys next time. See you. If you have a question or you would like to share your own story with us, you can find us at anokacountyhistory.org. We are all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all who scroll by. For our members and donors, you can find special access to podcast extras as well as the latest digital resources at our vault located on the website. History 21 is a production of the Anoka County Historical Society. Remember, the present is the past of the future.